Perhaps you're listening to this in your car. Perhaps you're listening to this on a walk through Griffith. Many people should walk through Griffith. I think that Griffith is a, is a very great walk. Perhaps you yourself are being told to listen to this podcast because you did something naughty. And your parents want you to listen to something educational. Well, whatever it is, the reason that you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in to NP Edgar. Today, I have a very, very special guest. They are a licensed clinical social worker and also have a master's in divinity. We're going to get into talking about maybe the interesting ways they found themselves in this field and the work that they're doing now with that. And uh, today, we're speaking with Jocelyn Harris. Did I say that correctly? You really did. Wow. I'm really proud of you. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, so before, uh, when we were walking into the building, we had a little bit of an <laughs> argument. <laughs> we did. Uh, about whether or not, well, I guess it's a multifaceted argument. Because uh, the first part of it was whether Stockton is Northern California or not. And I said, absolutely. Because mm. it is. Period. 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 But if you were to look at a map of California, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. I, like again, and, and as uh, our listeners know, and I told you that uh, I went to college in Napa Valley. I'm from New York, so I literally oh, you're have from New York. I have no dog in this fight whatsoever. That's why you. That's why you said that. Then it makes 100 percent sense now. I'm not a Californian. But if you it. look at the, there's so much more California left to call. Mm. Even San Francisco NorCal is insulting to people who live in Eureka mm. or in Rough and Ready. I mean, it's all Northern Cali or weed. Have you ever been to weed? Never been to weed. Never heard of it. Never heard of weed, California? Never heard of How weed, California. How about Truckee, California? I have heard of Truckee, California. Okay. But I've never been. Never been? Have you been to Rough and Ready? No. Hmm. Eureka? Nope. Did you ever see the show on sci-fi? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try to think of some other places that are up there. I'm like, it's probably going to be Humboldt? No, I actually never been. Wow. I know. Apparently, that's the best outdoor grown marijuana i don't know if you smoke, that's what i heard but i heard that up there it's the best because they just there's just feels of it yeah that's what i heard everybody mm-hmm. that went to undergrad there what's said the that it farthest was... north you've ever been oh my i don't know i don't really like do maps obviously mm-hmm. um <laughs> so i'm like maybe like san francisco that's the, not even napa valley Oh no! Okay, no, I've been to Napa. Okay, I've been to Napa a couple times. Where Where in Napa did you uh, go? Was it like I a, went a to trip or low key? I mean, it was like a low key trip, but mm-hmm. not really like a wine thing. And okay. um, God, uh, where you get mud baths and stuff. There's that spa that. over in a, I yeah. think Calistoga. Calistoga, Calistoga. <laughs> See, I went to school up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you go there before? I'd never. No, come on. You I never could not have, went to. I'd never. You know what? That's a very. The way that you're saying it is a very. Is a very very fair critique in that. It is. A I fair critique. I didn't experience as much of the Napa Valley as I should when I went up there. Absolutely not. If you didn't go to Calistoga Springs, I like... didn't go to Calistoga Springs. I maybe went to two wineries. I went to more wineries after I left than when I was there. Well, that makes. I mean, you were in school. Yeah. You probably like. I was smoking a lot of weed. No, I was not in the books. I was smoking. I was smoking weed. Well, I mean, that makes sense too. Like, yeah. why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Castle Springs, I know, is very, very lovely. A lot of the students at my college would work there in the summer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They would get tipped very well because a Will Ferrell or David Beckham would stop by. And... Oh, really? Like, really? Like stars mm-hmm. would go there? Mm-hmm. That's so ridiculous. The only reason why I went there was because. <laughs> <laughs> I literally saw like a coupon or something because I think back then, like I look a little bit younger than what I am. I'm 33. Okay. But back then there wasn't like coupons yet, mm-hmm. so it was like you had to like low key like actually go on the website, yeah, like mm-hmm. look to see what the deal was. Pick up the Napa Valley Register. But, and, and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actually make a phone call. Yeah. Like, hey, I see this on your site. Mm-hmm. Is this true? Can I get this discount? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just went because there was a discount. Yeah. Was it in the Stockton B? Is that the name of your guys' newspaper? That is the name of our new Wow, look at you. Come on, educated. Stockton B. I think wait a minute. Oh my God. I hope that's it. I, I it's been a minute. I feel like it is, but I could be wrong. I feel like it is too. Uh what was it like be growing up in Stockton? Is there a significant black population there? There is not a significant black population. Well, let me let me say this. There wasn't as much as it is now. Stockton mm. has changed significantly over the past 15 years. And that's because a lot of these people are being pushed out of Oakland and San Francisco and are moving into Hello areas like Stockton and yes. uh, what are some other places? Uh, Antioch. Yep. Places Antioch. like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. So they, that it changed a lot. I grew up in North Stockton. 
Mm-hmm. And the south side of Stockton is where more so the black folks were at. Like okay. that was more so like the hood of Stockton. So there's yeah. certainly it was something certainly there, but mm-hmm. not like in mass. Now it's certainly more black people influx coming from like you said from the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So it's changed since I left. I left when I was 18. Okay. Now I'm 33. So it's so like. Wh- and what what kind of pushed you to leave? Was it just school, or did you always feel like you were not a perfect fit for the area of Stockton? Well, a, bo- a little bit of both. And mm-hmm. I got a black mama who told me that um, I don't know how you're getting to college, but you're going. Oh, wow. So I had to figure. And she wanted you in college outside of Stockton. Well, there is no four year university in Stockton. Oh, okay. There's just junior mm-hmm. colleges. Yeah. And with, uh, one of my brothers. Maurice, who actually one of the owners of Bloom and Plume Coffee, Coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, he and he has a floral place called Bloom and Plume right next to the coffee shop too. So there's that. Um, I love my brothers, by the way, for all the listeners. They're my hearts. I got one more. <laughs> His name is Mark and Moses. Um, what was I talking about? Uh, you were talking about the uh, the uh, the availability of colleges within Stockton. Oh yeah. Okay. So there was a junior college. Um, San Joaquin Delta College, which Maurice went to. So, like, we have a really great junior college there, mm-hmm. but there's not any four-year universities. Sure. And by college, my mom meant a four-year university. Absolutely. Again, at the time, I'm, what, 18? I'm, like, I have no idea, like, what I'm supposed to do, where I'm supposed to go, but I have an older brother. Well, two older brothers, but this particular older brother, Mark, went to Fresno State. Mm. And so I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to go to Fresno State. Did you go to a high school that, like, equipped you with any sort of like here's how college applications work here's how any of this works or or like because i'm so interested in i went to idea college prep and that was a course it was called road to college to take it every year and but i went to a school it was a charter school so you know like i mean yeah a lot of people have some feelings about charter schools Mm -hmm. where it was one of those schools which was designed to make people of color talk the way that i'm talking now right uh and so but i talked to the people who'd be like uh you know hey I didn't even know about the uh, LSAT, not LSAT, uh, is it PSAT in high school or PSATs? P- PSATs, yeah. Yeah, like they're friends. And the ACTs. Yeah, and then my friend who's like, I didn't even know that was a test. Oh, shit. No, no. So that so fortunately, I did go to a public school. I went to Lincoln High School. Mm-hmm. Um, and, But it was like kind of like a bougie, like the bougier school. Okay. So I went to a really, really, really great public school. Mm-hmm. And I would certainly say that I was prepared academically for college. Yeah. So I didn't have any struggles with, with that part. However, as it relates to like the college thing, like we had a college counselor and like there mm. was like a room and like <laughs> I went in there and like yeah. once I went in there, like. The person was helpful, but like it wasn't like no one was pushing you to go in. There. No, no one was mm. pushing me to go in there. But like, I think my mom was like, "Well, you better go in there, the counselor's office, and figure it out," kind of thing. And I'm like, "Okay." Like, and I had to like find out where the office was. So like, it wasn't like something that was like really pushed like that. At least from my recollection, I don't remember. At the age of eighteen, <laughs> or even in high school, did the words "clinical social worker" like ever? <laughs> float around in your brain like how did you come across absolutely that? not sure. <laughs> i didn't know what the hell i was gonna be doing mm-hmm. when i left um i just was like okay this one mom i literally like just like put one foot in the front of the other like okay my mom said i should go to college mm-hmm. i don't know where i should go but yeah i mean my brother's here so i'll go here mm-hmm. get there i'm like oh what do i do mm, my brother's a business major i'll just i guess i'll be a business major so it's just like I was a business major and then I wanted to be in fashion merchandising. I wanted to be a psychologist. So I yeah. thought about social work. I just, I'm one of those persons who has so many interests and yes. like wants to do so many different things. And I was just like 18 year old me. Yeah. Which really isn't that different than 33 year old me. <laughs> I'd hope, I'd hope that there's a significant There is difference. a significant like <laughs> same person. Yeah. But um, that person or me at 18 was just... You know, I just was floating all over the place. Mm. But um, I think I landed in business for mm. three years. Get this, three years I was That's a business major. That's most of school. That's most of school. Yeah. Right? 75%. 75% of school, I'm a business major. I hate it. Hated every single business class I was in. Did you feel like you <laughs> had to do it? Like, was like, did you feel like this is something that would make my mom proud or was it something It like- was just like, I mean... That sounds good. Business, you graduate college business mm. degree? Cool. Yeah, like, 
I got my master. I, I mean, I got a bachelor's in business. Like it sounded like I'd be able to do something with yeah, a business degree. Absolutely. I didn't just didn't have an imagination or like direction for like what it was. So I'm just like, eh, okay. But then I took a sociology class my what junior year now, mm-hmm. and I loved it. I was like, mm. oh my god, this is it. I'm changing my major to sociology. What is it about it that you felt like woke you up? Like, what is it like? It like what was it like a topic? Was it the teacher or like yeah. what about it just like attacked you in a way that you were just like, I want to change my path completely. Well, because it was topics, and they mm. were talking about them. They were talking about things relating to people on a macro level, and I and it was just so interesting to me. They were talking about race. They were talking about class. They were talking about gender. They were talking about how we interact, social mm. interactions. And I was like, oh my God, this is so interesting. And I loved it. And the discussions that we had in class, um, the like controversy that came up in class. And I was just like, yeah, I found my place. Mm. And thankfully it was a low, lower unit major than business was a huge, you know, mini units. Yes. And so I transferred literally that day. I went to the office and I was like, yeah, okay, I want to change to sociology, and I did all the things I needed to do, and I graduated, obviously, in two more years, so I graduated college in five years instead of four. Hey, it's okay. I went to college for five years, and I dropped out at the end, so- uh, Oh, you did? Absolutely. What? We can we talk about it. you? We can't, we can't well, get into I mean, it. If you okay. want to, sure. I don't know if you want to hear about You can story. ask three questions. Three questions. <laughs> uh, how do, do I want to waste this question? <laughs> I don't know about that. I have. Give me the I, short of it. I have three credits left. <gasps> three credits? Absolutely. Are you going to go back? Never. never. I love that. I'll never, never. go back Forget to that Forget about school. it. Never. What's the point now? No, there's Look no at point. You. Exactly. Look at me now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, something that I know about your, and this is going to come always come back, but something that mm-hmm. I know about your guys, your brother's uh, coffee shop mm-hmm. is Bloom and Plume, correct? Yes, Bloom and Plume Coffee. Mm-hmm. It's a... Uh, uh, it's a very, not only black space, but also a very queer space. Yes. And Talia told me that your work is kind of a mixture of black and queer work as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you find out that that's what you wanted to do work in? Or was that something that was always a part of your identity that you're just like, I, whatever I do, mm-hmm. whether it be business, whether it be music, acting, whatever, that's also going to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you so much. I've been for working on my it. questions. I mean, you're doing a great job, so <laughs> I just want to affirm you on that. Um, <laughs> no, I think for me, yes, the coffee shop is a very black, black, black space, and the way in which it presents, it's a place that is done by, uh, that was curated by black people, mm-hmm. and that's very clear. And it's also a space that is open for all people, right? Mm-hmm. But it does, it is very black because mm-hmm. we are very black absolutely um and my oldest brother maurice is queer as mm. well and i'm queer as well mm-hmm. but our stories are very different he came out when he was 18 oh wow i came out when i was get this 31 <laughs> so that was just a couple of years ago wow yeah so it's a crazy story was it something that you always knew about yourself and you didn't feel comfortable saying or like what was, in a way what was that basically like? so mm. The short story, the short of the story is um, I kind of, when I was 12 years old, I kind of knew something was going on. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how to process that. Like, I'm in middle school. Nobody knows what the hell's going on in middle school. No, it's just no, like, no. what the? I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't have any place to really talk about it. I grew up in a very conservative black Baptist church. My dad is a pastor. Mm. Um, he's been a minister my whole life. He was a pastor most of my life, and he's still a pastor. Um, and so I have a very conservative background and so like, and then seeing my oldest brother Maurice when he was 18 and seeing what he went through, I think something like deep within my like psychology or deep within my subconscious was like, defend yourself. I'm "I'm not doing (laughs) this thing. Like I'm a just, and because for me, I identify as, um, queer pan or fluid Mm -hmm. that, um, and for the listeners, if you don't know what that means, um, on the short of it is just like pan. I'm attracted to many different genders, and yeah, it's, For you, and I'm it's about open. attractiveness. It's not about a specific gender. It's yes. that uh, if I'm attracted to this so person, I'm attracted, attracted to, to them. this person. Absolutely. Exactly. So for me, and that has I've seen been true even growing up. So it's like I still had attraction for men. So I was like, I mean, this this works. Like I'm, I'll go. You know, mm-hmm. it, I knew it was normal, mm. and so I just went with that as long as I, as long as I could, I guess. 
And then like for me, I just developed like really late. Like there were things that would happen from 12 until 29 that were like kind of like, you know, just more things that would like make me think. And then it was really towards my later 20s when I'm like people, other queer people were like asking me if I was queer. And I was like, no, like it was just so funny. Like, hey, are you queer? I'm like, no. And they're like, they're like, wait, hmm, but you uh, sure? Yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting these <laughs> I'm like, vibes. I'm getting, yeah, <laughs> I'm getting something here, and I'm again at the time, I'm still just like, mm. no, like I just, it was just so like somewhere deep, deep down inside of there that I, it was I, so hard to like penetrate that space. I find it interesting that you say that it happened in your late twenties was when people started like not necessarily confronting you in a, a aggressive way, but yeah, yeah, they were just being like, hey, hey. But, uh, yeah. because I felt like also. In our uh, in the late twenties, going off of the math of how old you are, that's when a lot more black women started being queer in yes. entertainment and in yes. public spaces. Because of course, you know, queerness has been or coming out as queer. Exactly, because yeah. I think that a lot of people don't safer. necessarily know that. Uh, uh, I think you know we we see queerness coming out so much now and so much up front, but black queerness, especially being as fluid as you are, mm-hmm. is a very very new thing. I mean. We don't see a lot of bisexual or pansexual black people. It's either if you're queer, it's like I'm either gay or I'm a lesbian. Like, yeah. there's, there's not a lot of people in those gray areas. Well, I would say that it's actually not something new, but it's mm. something newer in our society that's mm. becoming more acceptable, which mm. gives people more courage, I would say, to... Yes live in their truth. Yes. I think it's always existed, but it's never been in front. Yeah, absolutely. Not been in front and something that like now people know about. People know the terms. Like not everybody, but like a lot of people do know the terms and it's yes. something that like people are certainly feeling more comfortable like saying, Yeah, this is who I am. Actually and some people who like have I who have been queer longer are learning more about different aspects of queerness and being like, actually, you know what? This kind of fits me more. Mm -hmm. Or even people who are more on the, you know, there's lots of stereotypes in the queer community, like for women who are quote unquote butch or who are studs or who are masculine of center or who are all of the names. um, Some of them are like, wait a minute, actually, like, I think I'm gender non-binary. I think actually I may like be on the trans end. Like, so it's just been really amazing to see like, even people's develop people's development of like what we call ourselves and our sexual development, our gender identity development, like all of that. It's a beautiful thing to see in blackness for sure. And I think that the more specific people are allowed to get with it, the more comfortable they can be within themselves, right? Because I think that when it's very broad, you're just trying to fit into that broadness where you're just like, oh, I don't know if I'm all the way this or I don't know. But I, with this language that we're developing now, people can go, this is me. Like, I can pinpoint it to this exact thing. Yeah. How did I think, it feel when you were able to, like, meticulate those words and be like, "I this is me right here? Well, actually, like, I would not say, like, language is, like, really fluid and mm. always changing. Mm. So one thing that was such a beautiful gift was when I was in divinity school at Duke, I got to work you for- You went to Duke? I went to Duke. You're my yeah. favorite person in the world now. Well, you know what? I'm I'm happy to hear that. I really am, <laughs> considering I'm like the only person here right now. Well, there's somebody else here too, but anyways, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I got to work for the Center for Sexual and Gender Diversity at Duke mm. for two years of my three-year master's program. And it was so dope to like have just came out and then like I'm working at this center, learning all this information and getting to do trainings and getting to do all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so crazy. And what I learned about language is that it's always changing and Mm. it's always, you know, it's always developing. It could be something different tomorrow. We get to, we get to change what we say about ourselves if we want to. And so like this idea of like, this is exactly who I am. Mm. I personally don't, necessarily like identify with that statement like i think please reject that statement i reject the statement but it's not even a harsh like rejection throw my statement in the garbage (laughs) throw my statement in the garbage okay i'll throw it away um (laughs) but it's more so like and i take that based off of my lived experience right Mm. like i've identified as a straight person for 31 years of my life wow that's a long time that's a very long time so it's just kind of like i for me for jocelyn 
I can't throw that out of the like, oh, that's not a part of my life anymore. I'm a lesbian. It's like, well, that doesn't really like that's not my story. Mm. And so like sometimes when I have dated people who identify as lesbian, that has been a point of contention sometimes where it's like, well, you're a lesbian or you're not. And it's like, well, I mean, I was straight for 31 years. Like, this is my story. This is who I am. Mm. I can't throw this out. And I don't want to throw it out because it's who I am, too. And it's an important part of you. And considering why at the fluid piece to the pan, um, considering that my sexuality has evolved over time, mm. I'm thinking about myself, let's say, 30 years from now. I don't know what, what I would be like. I don't know if things will change or shift again. If I'll, Who knows? Like, I think there's fluidity along the the spectrum. And I think that makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. Um, Why do you think that is? Why do you think we're so attached to concrete definitions of things? Because it gives us a sense of control. Mm. It gives us a sense of like being able to being able to know what is going on with other people and be able to put them in a box of like and knowing how then I should treat you based on who you are, based on my beliefs that I have, mm. even though they're not my beliefs usually because they're just a set of beliefs that I have taken on yes, over inherited. time. Mm -hmm. I, I've inherited and haven't ever challenged, right? So there's those kind of things too. So I think it's just hard for people to meet people that don't want to fit into like any boxes. And that confuses people and people sometimes get upset or sometimes people want to know more questions. People have more questions, want to ask questions. And sometimes people are just like, you don't know who you are. Like I get lots of interesting comments. Um, they're just like, oh, so you just like anybody. And it's like, well, where Whoa. did yeah. <laughs> well, time out? Like, why, where did, where do you get that? I like anybody. That's not what I said. Yeah. Right. Or like, oh, you're so desperate. Or like mm. the people will say things like, especially me being queer now, coming out later in life. Another comment I get is like, oh, are you just tired of black men and not being who they're supposed to be? And now you switch teams. And well, I it's mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> shit, if you hear something like that, then hell yeah, baby. I am. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just interesting, right? Mm. Like to hear, to hear like all the various comments and the lack of imagination that people have. And also just like they have their own lived experiences as well. And there's sexuality and sex and gender and gender identity, like all these things are, and romantic attraction, which oftentimes all of those things just get bumped into just one thing, mm. right? It's like, I was born a woman, so I am a woman. That means I have to be straight and like men. Like all of that just gets convoluted into like, this is what it is. And that's heteronormativity, right? Like that's what, that's the society that we live in is a heteronormative space. People assuming that everybody is straight and assuming, and cis normativity is, or yeah, cis normativity is when people are thinking that everybody is yeah. a male or female. The gender that they appear to be. And like, I assume right. by looking at them, oh, this person has breasts, they must be a woman or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, that was a lot of stuff. That was a lot of stuff. So and, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm throwing a lot at you. You okay? I want you. I mean, you I'm not. Okay. I, I don't know if you, I think you can see it in my face that you're, you're like, like I was like really sitting there thinking like, about my own self. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how much I want to get into all of this. <laughs> right. Maybe I'll reveal something in myself that I don't want to know. Yeah, about. so I'm ready for one of my questions now Please. for you. Can I ask you a question? Yes, absolutely. Now? So, like, what are you thinking about right now with all of the stuff I just said? Like, just that it little so, section. Like, I am so, like, I am so afraid of saying it. <laughs> because I'm Don't just be like. Don't be afraid. When I'm watching pornography. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is where we're starting already. This no, is where we're starting already. I mean, so many, I mean, come on. I watch very specific porn. Yeah. And I've always wondered, does this porn that I'm watching mm -hmm. challenge this idea of heterosexuality that I'm so clinging on to. Yeah. That's a really good question. And Google did a um a study. I don't have all the details for it. So, but y'all know Google like you can Google any you can Google A B C D E and sure. it'll come up <laughs> with whatever it was that you were thinking in your mind. So, you could just Google like Google search on porn mm -hmm. and 
it was just so interesting the findings that Google yes. had on the search of like what people are really watching, especially straight men and what they're actually watching. Men, absolutely, right? absolutely. So another thing, y'all can't see me, but I'm a plus size person. I'm mm-hmm. a big person. I'm a fat person. Mm-hmm. I'm a femme. I'm a big fine. Like whatever it is you want to call me, mm-hmm. and what I call myself is a big fine. So there's that part. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that the study showed was that a lot of straight men watch porn with women who are bigger and actually prefer to have sex with bigger people, Mm -hmm. bigger women, but they won't because of the societal standards of what it would mean for you to show up with a fat girl or with a girl that has a little bit more meat on her bones. And so I was like, this is so interesting. Like all of this stuff of like what people really want or people's desires are, their kinks or their fetish, whatever it is, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody has them, right? So everybody. I'll be specific. I'll be specific. I'll be raw. I'll be honest right now because we're right creating this space. Yeah. I watch a lot of strap-on porn where it's okay. two women mm-hmm. having sex with each other or maybe sometimes it's a woman pegging the man or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then one time Pornhub recommended me a transsexual person mm-hmm. doing the same thing. Yeah. And I was livid. I was upset. Yeah. But then I was just like, wait, why am I upset? Because <laughs> I, I watched that when it's not real. Yeah. But now because it's an actual, um, it's still a woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but I it was is. upset. I was like, what the heck? What a Pornhub? And I remember closing my laptop upset. <laughs> You closed it. You threw away the I whole threw, thing. I broke the laptop you broke in it, half. You threw it. You threw it out the window. And I went said, to the Apple store and I said, "You got to fix my laptop. <laughs> Get it out of here. Get, Get the whole here, thing yeah. out of here. I want a refund." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that. Thank you so much for being just well, I mean, be, was sharing that. Like, well, well I mean, said, so many people don't share. I've said things, crazier like things on this podcast. I think it's okay. I'm gonna have to listen to all the episodes then. Just You'll find see out what's about something on. called cum shorts that. Uh, Wow. We won't get into it, but it's pretty We're not getting insane. into it today. Okay. Well, on your point, I think that's really interesting because porn, I think, hmm, do I want to say this? Yeah, I do want to say this. I think porn, right, why not? I mean, hey, you're not going to hold back now after what I just said. True. <laughs> I just, just think. Kidding. Of course, you want to hold back. You can hold back. As it relates to our ideologies, as it relates to our sexual imaginations, mm. porn has certainly put a limitation on what that is. I'm not, and this is to not, I'm not here to knock porn. I'm not here to promote, to deny, whatever. Like, it's a reality of our life and so many people participate in it, right? Yeah. So it's not something. Yeah, I'm not, what'd you say? A swerf? Is that not what I don't even know what, I don't know what that term is. Sex worker, exclusionary, radical feminist. Ooh, no, I'm not that. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. You're not here to disparage porn. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Like, and I will say that like, sometimes people are watching so much of porn that they don't, it's, it's like kind of telling them what they like or, or telling or, yeah, or providing true. an imagination for like what they think the other person that they would be having sex with should be like. Absolutely. And it's almost like people are then acting out an act instead mm-hmm. of what they might actually want to do or Absolutely. like giving yourself space or time to imagine something different is like so hard in a society where like, you're one porn click away to just like watch literally whatever you want to watch. You know what? And that is so, that is so true in terms of, I mean, I don't know how honest I want to get in the, but like that, this act of like, of course this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah. I, I think about a lot of the act of, this is so ridiculous, but like ejaculating on someone's face, right. Where mm-hmm. that's something that's so prevalent in porn that I want to be honest with myself. I've never enjoyed it. And yeah. every time I'm just like, well, that's what porn, that's how you end sex. Time I go, I go. Oh, I, I feel good about that. I yeah, don't, yeah. I don't think anyone felt good about that. Yeah, and that I mean, but some people might, right? Sure. But again, like, what is really true? What do you really mm. like? What are you really into? It's like, and then to challenge that, then just becomes stressful, and you're just like, throw the whole laptop away again, yeah, right? Again. It's like I'm done with this. Crap. I'm done with this. So it's so much. It's so complex. Um and. Yeah, I think just having more conversations like this is important and trying to help. I mean, a part of the work that I want to do is just like helping people to show up and be their authentic selves and which look at you. Yeah, you're already doing that. And you just met me today. I don't know how well I'm doing it. You're doing a great job. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I want to ask you about your self-discovery and I'll do Mm -hmm. that when we return from the break. 
And we're back uh, with Jocelyn Harris, LCW M Div. LCSW. LCS. Yeah, I'm a- <laughs> That's right. Because okay. what is an LCW? What is that? A licensed clinical, clinical worker? worker? A licensed clinical worker. And I don't you're know. You're just what working that clinics? <laughs> you just work. Going in there, giving them your and type you go five. To clinics and you're a worker. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. I wanted to ask, you went on this self-discovery journey around the age of 31, you're coming out and stuff like that. Yeah. How much did divinity school play into that, whether positively or negatively? Now, again, I add the negatively because I'm speaking from my own experiences with religion. Yeah. My own negativity towards it. I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. I don't know if you're familiar with that religion at all. I absolutely am. By saying, wow. So then you are. I I hear I call myself a survivor. Uh, But. As you are. How much did going to seminary. Uh, which, again, going to seminary as a woman, I think, is very, very fascinating. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know what's happening in the Adventist church right now, but there's a big, strong push for war- more women to be ordained pastors. Wow. And something that someone said about seminary itself is that you hear it in the name, it's meant for men. Semen. Women don't produce semen. Why would they be at a seminary? This is said by an Adventist pastor. Wow. So how much did all of that? I just asked you a lot of things. And I just throw a lot of things at you. But yeah. how much did all of that play into the self-discovery that you were doing? Again, what a great question. I'm just, I live for good questions. Oh, so you. I really am like getting my whole life right now. So I also want you to know There that. are fans out there that don't enjoy NP Edgar. And I think that they just don't enjoy challenging themselves. Ooh, well, I'm not going to speak to, <laughs> I, I can't speak on that. But I can answer your question. Please. Um, I think Divinity School had, um, Everything to do with me coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I'm from California. I've been here my whole life, mm-hmm. minus the three years I just spent in Durham, North Carolina, for divinity school. Mm-hmm. When I moved there, this was my first time living outside of the country, mm-hmm. and it was my first time living by myself. Um, it's much quieter in Durham. Really? And my apartment, especially where I was living, it was super quiet. Um, like literally the Cameron crazies don't party. They do, but I'm in, you know, this is You're my second master's, school, yeah, second yeah. master's Absolutely, degree. Yeah. So I'm like, this is the second time around. You're sec- like, I'm, I'm not, like, I'm not into I'm this good. bullshit. Yeah. Nah. So I was just here for the chillness mm. and like, it was so chill that like, it was a time for me to really like address some like deeper things that I had going on within myself. And again, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I had worked for five years prior to going to divinity school. So like I'm in the work working with other people and me myself, I was in therapy for five or six years Mm. as well. So like I was doing the work, I was literally doing the work with other people and doing my own work. And then like when I got to Durham, North Carolina, it was like an even deeper work that needed to happen. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, Hmm. when is this going to be over? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of all the work. I be myself. Yeah. But, um, and I'm a Christian person. Um, wow. I have Baptist. Yes. Right. Wow. I have Baptist roots. Um, and now I'm also Pentecostal. So we call it Baptist, and I'm a black Pentecostal person mm. as well. So that background is important for. And you still identify as Christian today. Yeah. So I identify as Christian today. I'm a Christian wow. ordained pastor. So. Well, tell yes, them. Yes, 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 well, yes. Well, tell them. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I'm a Christian ordained pastor. Um, and that was a very difficult process for sure. Of course. But back to your question, um, just being in a space where, oh, I was explaining my understanding of God mm. as to why, how to set up sort of what mm-hmm. I'm going to say. Um, so like in the Christian belief, many different denominations believe different things about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. um, and my theology, and theology just means beliefs about God. Absolutely. And what I believe about God um, is that there's God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And so, like, when I say God, I could be talking about any three. Any of the three. Yeah. So do you, you do believe that there are three separate individuals? Yeah, I think it's three in one. Like, mm-hmm. I think they're in community with yes, one another. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, like my experience with God at that time where I'm like by myself and I'm just like, I feel like the Holy spirit was kind of just like, Hey girl, Mm. (laughs) what's up? Um, are you gonna 
deal with this like queer thing or are we just gonna keep acting like it's not a thing you felt like the holy spirit was pushing yeah. you towards yeah i feel like yourself. it was a push to really get to an authentic self right wow. so that's when i'm talking about like authenticity that's so important if you don't know who you are and what's really going on in your life and what's bothering you or what or what's really in you how can you possibly be free I mean, and not only that, I, I think that kind of reminds me of what Jesus says is his most important commandment, which is to love others as much as you love yourself. And mm -hmm. if you're denying this truth about yourself, you're not loving yourself. Thus, you cannot love others. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that. Um, So it was very hard. And I remember like, just like, no, I'm not dealing with that. I'm not. I just. Wow. It's something I just didn't want to deal with. And I was an affirming person. Like I was, you know, wanting to be a pastor that was going to. Um, marry queer people like I was fine with everybody else being queer trans the whole you're a bit of a Jonah yeah, no no not really but you don't think that Jonah was doing a little bit of well I guess he wasn't self-denial but it was like he was yeah. projecting onto other people maybe a little yeah, bit more for so yeah for sure for sure projecting onto other people and there was a specific mission he was supposed to be doing yes. that he didn't want to do. And I mean, I guess in another in a different story, sure. But this story, but this, not so it, much. this is not a mission outside of yourself. This is something this is within yourself. Within me, yeah. Mm. And so I'm just like, no. And then I had to ask the question, like, why is it okay for everybody else but not you? Like, mm. what is that about? So I I literally for a year um, wasn't I was in therapy all three years of divinity school. Um, and the first year I didn't even want to talk to a therapist about it. Cause I was just so like ashamed and like, it felt weird. And wow. it was something I just hadn't ever talked about to anybody. I can't imagine what it feels like carrying a much guilt and shame around. Yeah. And it wasn't even guilt. Cause there was nothing I felt guilty about, like nothing had happened, but I just felt like I can't be this thing or whatever. And so that made me have to think about like my real beliefs. Like, what do I, what do I believe about this? And if this is me, like, what does that mean? And so anyways, I wanted to deep dive in that me and my therapist. And I had incredible friends at divinity school um, who many of them are queer, um, queer black people, queer black women. Wow. So like it was a really cool experience too. And so I'm seeing them living out their truth and, that they were an essential part of the growth and development as well. Cause mm. I was having my own process. I was processing it with the therapist. I was having like my spiritual time alone. And I also had a community of people who were there. And so my whole surrounding was safe in that regard. However, like my experience at Duke Divinity School, not everybody is affirming person. So by the time I came out, like it was just a lot of people would just ignore that part about yourself or like they had particular viewpoints um, and the school just wasn't set up to sort of deal with persons who are, who have multiple marginalized identities. Yeah. And so as they're like one at a time, please, right, this please. is a lot. We got to deal with the race issue first. Yeah. It's like, mm, well, I'm black. I'm a woman, I'm queer, I'm fat. I need you to address my whole personhood because mm. I'm here right now and I'm paying a lot of money to be here. I'm going <laughs> yeah. into a lot of debt. Mm. So, and I deserve the education that everybody else is getting. That encompasses my whole. That encompasses all of who I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, my journey um, was a rough one and a beautiful one. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced in my life. Um, to see a journey of myself coming into a more full self. And I felt, I feel so much more freer to like, just that, just to know that I'm being myself and that's so important. Sure. And like, if you're going to be leading anybody or if you're going to be doing any kind of spiritual work, whatever spiritual practice that is, right? It, if it's Christian, if it's Muslim, if it's whatever, whatever you're practicing, you got to be practicing it out of authenticity. Absolutely. So, right. And what are you have to practice what you teach? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Why do you think it is so difficult for people to, I don't want to use the word multitask, but deal with all of it, right? <laughs> like, I feel like, but it's true in that, like, you know, I, I think that that's kind of the thing that you run into when we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, woke space, quote unquote, woke spaces on 
Twitter, especially black Ugh. Twitter, is once someone talks about like, you know, well, this is what I'm going through as a black man. And then a queer black man's going like, well, also I do this. And everyone's like, yo, 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 yo. No, we just talk about black man shit right now. Like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. We'll get to right. that when we want to. Like, I, and I've seen that happen a lot of times. Yeah. Where, and it happens. I mean, it happens on every side of the coin. I do think that it's not just in that particular situation. But everyone seems afraid to deal with all of it at once. And there you go. Like, it seems like everyone's waiting for their turn. Absolutely. Well. I think it is, it, again, yet another question, yet another great question. Um, <laughs> Look, and, my uh, love language is words of affirmation, so be careful. Oh, well, <laughs> I got to be careful, you guys. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just so hard for people, again, like based on what people have experienced in their life, based on people's beliefs and core mm. values, right, that come even people don't even sometimes know what those core beliefs and values are until you're like standing face to face with someone who isn't a part of those core values. And then all of a sudden you're just so angry. Right. Mm. Um, So I just think that people aren't used to accepting all of who we are. We oftentimes as black people, we haven't been spaced to be, we haven't been given space or provided space, particularly in this country to be different kinds of black. Like, uh, blackness is not a monolith, right? No, like, no. I there's mean, all kinds of black people. We talk about on this podcast a lot about how, you know, I've been labeled as white or, like, you know, because I don't fit into this idea of what a black person should be, which I think is ridiculous, ridiculous. considering where I'm from and how I grew up. But right? just because I talk a certain way or and enjoy certain things like Nickelback. But um, <laughs> I've been I've been criticized. So, of course, like I get what you're saying of like we haven't even been accepted as black yet. So like, Absolutely. how do we address all these other things? Yeah. And it has to start, though, I think with black folks, um, just speaking of black folks, like mm. not this isn't a put. I do not like to put a blame on black black people. We need to be doing this more. No, like I'm no. not on you're that not a, kind you're of You're not tip. a bad BuzzFeed video. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just trying to say that um, working with black folks for all of us to understand that we're not a monolith. And sure. like we can, all of this includes blackness, all the com- com- the complex things, the beautiful things, mm. the things that are problematic, the things that we're trying to work on, all of it, it's all black. and there should be space for all of that to be happening. Um, and that's just hard because I think we're not given space to do that. And like yeah. black folk, most black folks, like we're working so hard, yeah. whatever you're doing, whether you're having a hot girl summer because, and you're tired at your like nine to five job mm-hmm. and like you're turning up on the weekends, whether you're like working at McDonald's, whether you're working at your doctor or mm-hmm. whatever, like whatever kind of black person you are working, like, you're working hard to survive or to thrive or to start a business or to whatever it is that you're doing. Mm. And it's still not enough oftentimes because economically, you know, this so many people know this, that like we've been so behind as a, as it relates to like wealth, black wealth, that like even the richest black persons and the people who are like higher up there, like, we're still behind as it oh, relates yeah. to whiteness oh, yeah. um, and white dollars and all that stuff. So it's like black folks, like we're doing the best we can oftentimes with what we've been given. And for me, that means like I try to find grace for black folks all the time. I try. Yeah. Now I'm it's not, not perfect. It's not always easy. No. It's not easy. No, not at all. I have quite a few triggers there, but mm-hmm. um, I try. I try my best. Where have you seen progress being made in some of the things that we've talked about today? What are some of the bright spots? What are some of the things that have given you hope that you kind of go, damn, we're, we're making it. We're making steps. Yeah. Um, to be honest, um, this morning I was really encouraged. Um, so the church that I attend um, is called The Way Christian Center in Berkeley. Mm. And now I'm starting a extension of that church called The Way LA here in Los Angeles. Oh, nice. So and that's, where is that located? That is located at Bloom and Plume Coffee for now okay. on 1638 West Temple Street. Okay. And we meet on Mondays from 7 to 9 if anyone wants to come. All are welcome. 7 to 9 p.m.? 7 to 9 p.m. Thank yeah. you for clarifying, for clarifying that. Some that's people go to church early. You that's know what true. Mean? So it's on Mondays. Um, and... 
the pastor of the way in Berkeley, his name is Michael McBride. And today he is at the young leaders conference um, in Atlanta. And he just had an interview on MSNBC Mm. um, and where like the five democratic um, candidates came and spoke to the young leaders conference, which is a bunch of black, mainly conservative, like millennial church going people. Mm. Right. And he's there and he's like pushing, like trying to get again, like he, he made this quote, like blackness, the black church is not a monolith. Like, there's also various kinds of black churches. We're all on the spectrum. There's conservative black churches, which is and conservative black people who go to church. And there's people like me who are nothing like that. Yeah. And we're also part of the black church and we're also Christian and we're also Los Angeles taught me that for sure. If like I looked at some churches, and I was like, damn, this is how y'all get down out here. Cause back where I'm from, you cannot get down like this, but right. that's what you're saying is that there's a whole plethora of, kinds there's a whole of plethora. Yeah. And so I'm mentioning this to say that, I I see hope in like someone someone doing what they're called to do and mm. and working in a space that not only is needed but like has been ignored as far as it relates to like politically, right? Mm. And um just like filling in those needs and like again like dealing with those complexities of of blackness, right? Like I struggle sometimes with conservative black church people of course i struggle with a lot of things right um and it's like i'm so glad that my pastor's there today doing that work like in the the lion's den absolutely so it's like you know what that is one thing that gave me so much hope this morning absolutely to see to see some of that some of those things happening it can be quite difficult to lead with love, right? Like it can yeah. be quite, especially in these it times. Good. I mean, it sounds great, right? I mean, <laughs> it, it sounds, but like, I, and I think that's kind of what I struggle with in terms of Christianity sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, and it, it's even harder now when we're literally watching people being attacked for just being who they are. Totally. We're watching people being jailed for just who they are. And yep. it can be hard to say, well, you should love everyone's just like no fuck that this person's trying to kill me yes so uh, mm-hmm. how have you found yourself leading with love today are you are you even leading with love <laughs> i'm trying you mm. know i'm putting my best foot forward mm. like i said i'm not a perfect person and like uh, no, I, leading, I don't expect you to be at all yeah and i'm just leading out of authenticity which means like that's not perfection and mm-hmm. i'm not i don't do everything well um I remember in my ordination, like, council meeting, like, that's a part of what I had to do before I got ordained Mm. was meet and, like, answer questions and, like, kind of them get an idea of, like, what things I believe and if I'm prepared, all these sort of things. One of the questions I asked, um, and this is one of my mentors, Pastor Donna, who knows me very well, and she asked me, like, a question that was so challenging just around, like, okay, like, what are you going to do if, like, a black middle-aged man comes to your church and, like, He's not affirming and all these things, He's but, talking he, that rude but talk. he keeps showing up every week. There's what, something what you inside do? of him. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> I just laughed and I was like, you know what? Like the fact that you just asked me that, like, ugh. so I was like, well, you know, I would want what I would want to do is say, hey, let's find you somewhere else to be because <laughs> I don't think this is going to be a good fit. Yeah. Like, this ain't going to work out. Like, yeah. Cause I'm not, you know, bending the rules. I'm not, the, you know, this is what we believe here. Whatever those things are. Right. Um, but I was like, you know what, but what I would try to do is like kind of just start where that person is at and like, mm. see, ask questions to get, and this is where my background as a licensed clinical social worker really helps because it's like yeah like i've been doing this work for a while like learning people learning how to meet people where they're at and just like okay like where are you why do you believe the things that you believe tell me your story like tell me where you're from tell me about some of your experiences Mm. like tell me about some of your beliefs about scripture like and so i can get an idea of like where the person is at and then that can give me more information on how to like talk with them and help them grow and learn and Things of that sort. And if that person is open to just, you know, continuing conversation, like, that's what I will do, you know? So, like, that's that's a harder, like, place for me to be because I certainly feel like I'm someone that's more so called to people 
to be with people who are on the margins, yeah. queer and trans folk, yes. black folk, yes. you know, um, folks who are differently able, like all of the folks who are just like kind of cast out of society, like those are the groups of people who want to work with, with the poor, with people, mass incarceration issues, like all of the things, right? And I'm like, yeah, I want to be doing that work. But it's like, there's gonna, there's all, again, back to like blackness is not a monolith. Like there's all kind of black folks who mm-hmm. are going to be interested and want to come and participate, aren't gonna know what to say, what to do. They're probably, you know, going to do the wrong thing as I will like mess up and all those sort of things. So it's like, it's a place of maturity that I'm certainly like growing into sure. for sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet, like that hasn't happened right now. So, um, but you know, it is, it is um, something I'm growing and maturing into for sure. Well, I mean, I completely understand how, complex of a journey that can be and like you said like well you're just like these are the people that i want to work with especially considering your own journey yeah how hard it can be to receive someone who seems so outside of all of that yeah especially for me it's a newer journey yes right yeah. so it's just like i'm still like so like kind of hardcore like yeah queerness yeah you know just yeah. like ah, <laughs> like all the things um you want to be vigilant yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know as i'm like learning more about who i am and like what my role is in life and not role but I don't like that word role but like what my purpose is here Mm. like I have to grow to I have to continue to grow like this is just yet another journey like you said there's no strong definition no yeah so I'm gonna just continue on the journey learning and doing that with other people right like that's one of the things about the church that is also really important it's like we're going to do this thing together. Like this isn't just about, this isn't about me. Like I can't do this. I don't have the skills to do it all. I literally don't. I have a particular skill set. That's (laughs) it. Like I can't do all these other things. No one's expecting you to go on the drums and also play the organ and all of that. Like you need a community to help with all of those things. Absolutely. And like having community input, like it's not just like, Oh, this is my vision. This is what we're going to do. And so like, I need people to help me fulfill my mission. It's like, yeah, you're not Kirk. Well, I'm pretty, (laughs) I'm pretty sure that many other people are going are going to have ideas about what the community needs and mm-hmm. what they want to do and it's sure. like absolutely right so like shared leadership is a really important value as well so yeah just want just trying to be me at the end of the day I enjoy it on that note when we come back we're going to talk to Jason Harris about ways you can get involved in some of the things that she's working on and some of the specific organizations that she's working with when we return to NP Edgar. We have returned and we are still <laughs> talking with Jaslyn Harris, LCSW Ooh, and MDiv. Yeah. So what are the specific organizations that you are working with and what are some ways people can get involved? Yeah, so the first, one of the things that I'm doing right now is I'm working on building the way Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And so if folks are interested in coming, being a part, checking it out, right now we're meeting on Mondays at Bloom and Bloom Coffee, Mm -hmm. 1638 West Temple Street, come through. Um, And I also meet with people individually, like just to, if you have questions, um, for me as a pastor, although I identify as Christian, like I'm also very open to other possibilities and know that like whatever, wherever people are at in their spiritual walk, like I want to meet them there and like help them to grow in whatever way that looks like for them. So mm-hmm. I'm also really interested in being able to meet with people individually. If like you're like church, ugh, don't want to go. Cool. You can also hit me up. My Instagram is probably maybe the best way to, to um, contact me. Is just at Jazzy, please. J A Z Z I E P L E A Z E. Um, so feel free to DM me and we can meet up if you're in LA. Um, I'm also working with my brothers on the coffee shop. Yeah. Um, so Bloom and Poom Coffee. Honestly, if you haven't been, it is. And I know these are my and brothers. I, and I haven't, so you, you should trash been. me. I have not been. You have not been. I don't drink coffee. Is that a fair the excuse? Fly- there's so many things other than coffee. What else is there? There's food. There's okay. drinks. What kind there's of food? Merch. Is it vegan food? There's vegan food. There's vegan no, 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 donuts. No, no, I'm asking if, if it's vegan food as there's a way for me not to go. 
Oh, well, there's like a few vegan items, but there's other okay, good, items. Good, good. There's an egg sandwich. Okay. There's all kinds of stuff. How's there a lunch there? Do they have a lunch? Kind, yeah, they have like sandwiches okay. and they have like different kinds of so toast I'm not a breakfast guy. I don't like breakfast. Yeah, they have they have something that you can eat for sure. Do so. they have beer? They don't. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, so they don't have it. Yeah, not yet. So it's a beautiful space and they're trying to do something not trying, they are doing something really different. What neighborhood amazing. is it in again? It's in Echo Park. Damn, I really have no excuse to go. Because when you said Temple, I was like, yo, that's probably really close to my house. And it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. fucking up. You can judge. I, I feel the judgment and I should be judged. You should be judged in this moment. And you can actually go there later today if you later want today? to. Later today? Shit. Yeah. Let me look at my schedule. Oh, damn, I just picked up a job. That's crazy. That's, cra- that's crazy. <laughs> but you were doing work over at Bloom and Bloom. And, so, uh, yeah, yeah, just like um, working in the family business and, and, show, and doing what I can do to help out in the different ways that I'm doing that. So that's one of the things that I'll be doing. So. I'm going to be at Bloom and Bloom Coffee a lot, just oh, yeah. doing lots of things. And a black space in Echo Park. And I mean, a black that's amazing. space in Echo Park. And Can I mean, say that again? I mean, again, I mean, traditionally it was supposed to be a Latinx community, right? but uh, we know what it is now. Right. Uh, <laughs> Facts. Uh, it's, a, it's a dance hall for white people to dance to funky music on Saturday nights. <laughs> and no offense, DJ Dan. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, but... So I think it's so interesting that a space like that is existing. I mean, that's amazing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's so exciting. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, and the last thing that I'm doing is working on, because I am a licensed clinician, that also is work that I do. So I am taking on individual clients as okay. well to do professional therapy with, mm-hmm. if that's something you want to do. I also am taking on clients to do spiritual direction. And I also um, do weddings for queer and trans people of color and any single anybody that's getting married and wants to have a person who's ordained do it. Hey, so. if you're ever if I if I ever get married, I'll hit you up. Yes. But so cool. Very, very doubtful. You know what? You never know. Well, no, you never know true. when the wind's going to blow you. That's true. That's it true. might blow your laptop right out of your window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do have two more questions. Oh, that's right. <gasps> okay, two more questions for you. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this is going to be good. Okay. So, after these are after listening to what I've been talking about, sure. particularly around spirituality, mm-hmm. what comes up for you? I think what comes up for me is that I can be a little bit too hard on my mother and her spirituality. Mm. And that I and, and my brothers as well. Both of my brothers are still Adventist. And I, okay. I and I think that I kind of hold it as a prideful thing to yeah. not be, you know, and I and I think about a lot of the atheist people that I know and a lot yeah. of them are white. And yeah. I think that perhaps my uh uh hate towards religion at time could mm-hmm. be tied into how much I'm trying to be accepted in white spaces. Mm. Because I there is like I mean, wow. I'm not gonna lie, I still do pray a lot and mm-hmm. I asked Talia for to pray for me. I asked a lot of black people to pray for me, but uh, yeah, it's weird that in white interesting. spaces when they're just like, and that God, right? He dumb as hell. I'm like, Yeah, 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 yeah. bro. <laughs> so that make me kind of like, you know, this morning I was walking around listening to gospel. Not walking, I was wow. I was birding. Were you listening to Kirk Franklin? Of course. Some Kirk, course. some Donnie. Come on, Donnie. Which uh, Donnie song? Uh oh. Uh, uh I want to do a sketch about this. Uh great Great is Your Mercy. Ugh. Which is I think it's such a wild song that because song. they're always trying to top they they try to top each other each verse. Like they're singing the same <laughs> thing and each person's like this was <laughs> and I was like, they always, and then the next person comes on and try to do it even better. I thought that was so funny, but I was like, how could I do this? I like, it. I was thinking about, it. I was like, how could I even do this sketch considering my audience? They wouldn't get it. Yeah, and that's, I mean, what you're talking about. One is hilarious, and yeah. I absolutely think the same thing. And that's one of my favorite songs too. I yeah. love that song. But it's just like that's the beauty about black people and our black traditions mm-hmm. and our connections to Christianity, which yes. are oftentimes completely stripped away. And uh, most yes. people don't even know yeah. that we have them. Yes. Oftentimes the narrative is like, that's a white man religion. It's yes, like, that's mm, a slave well, religion. I'm just like, well, they certainly took it and they, yeah. they certainly took <laughs> something and made an imagination mm-hmm. that like didn't include us. Although like one of the things I learned in divinity school there was a patristic father. All that means is like a one of the like beginning sort of persons who started to cult, cultivate like 
thoughts about God and write them down and like sort of like, this is what we believe about these things. Mm -hmm. One of those persons' names is Athanasius. His nickname was the Black Dwarf. He's from Africa. Wow. And he is, he wrote this book called On the Incarnation, which sort of talks about like why people believe what they believe about Jesus, why Jesus came. A lot of times in the imagination of Christianity, we just think like, well, yeah, this is what we're taught. Jesus came down to earth to save us from our sins. Like we know it almost like just as if we just know it. Like it was programmed into us. Like it was programmed into us because it was for most of us. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, So, but that, Theology was actually like worked out and written out in a book called On the Incarnation mm. many, 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 many years ago sure. by a black man. Nobody knows that information, right? I did not know that. And Nobody I consider knows. myself a religious expert. Oh, well, I'm going to have to certainly <laughs> I, I challenge consider, you on that. Uh, I, I might as well just have an MDiv myself. <laughs> That's literally the funniest thing you said all day because after the, oof, that was such an intense thing. But anyways, well, I was, ooh, I was getting so distracted thinking about it. But uh, going off of your point, weren't some yeah. of the early Christians in Ethiopia because there's that yes. whole story Yes, well, that was the of, first church. Yeah. The first church mm-hmm. was in Ethiopia. The, the Ethiopian man gets baptized by, I don't remember which. The Ethiopian eunuch. Yeah. You're talking about the Ethiopian He gets baptized by, I can't remember that guy's name. Do you know what a eunuch is? is Someone who uh, was supposed to guard the king's harem so Mm -hmm. that he did not have genitals himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just, I can't even get into that because it's just, it's a queer story. It's a black story. Yeah. Yes. Ah, it's so incredible. Um, That's true. That is true. Yeah. It's a very, it's a queer story. That is a a queer queer black story. Jeez. In the scripture that people use all the time. Damn. You just made me think, because, yeah, they're, wow. You really fucked me up there. Good. That's the point. You have one more question, and I'm going to let you burn out. (sighs) Okay. One more question. (sighs) Mm. I'm going to make it good. Um, What are your thoughts about? So in the spiritual, in spirituality right now, there's lots of things going on, right? There mm-hmm. are, of course, like Christianity is like kind of dying, right? Oh, like it's I, just like going to the. And like, I'm very guilty. People of are out of here. Putting on my sunglasses and smiling while it burns. I'm right. very guilty of it. Yeah, I mean, and there's so many things that the Christian church has done that are just like, oh my god, like sure. how could you ever, right? Um, and then you, we have a lot, of, and I'm. This is more specifically around black folks, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of black folks now aren't necessarily Christian. There's still a lot that are, but sure. there's a lot that aren't. And there's some people that are getting connected into more ancestral work, right? Who are yes. doing more stuff with Ifa and Voodoo. Yes, yes. Um, and then there's all the, there's um, chakras and there's crystals and there's candle healing. There's all these other, like, things that are happening, like, one, are you like familiar with some of those things? And like, what do you think about that? Like, what do you think about like, because of what we've been told about Christianity, because of what we are, um, because of so many different things, not whether people are participating in it, not participating in it and all these other things going on in like 2019, like what, comes up for you well i think my main answer to all of that is uh i, I can kind of tell a little bit of a story and again into my answer which is mm-hmm. i i'm dating a white passing latinx woman mm. and she was raised in a very uh, uh i say i'd say a religious home and like that their religion did not play a factor in mm-hmm. it at all mm-hmm. uh so she struggles a lot with understanding how religious my mom is mm. especially we went back to texas a couple of months ago and she was just like, wait, why can't we play cards on Friday night? Like, why can't we watch TV? And like, she was like upset about it. And mm. I think to her, how I've always justified it is my mom came to this country, didn't speak any English, was an immigrant. Mm-hmm. And the Adventist church, because she wasn't Adventist, she was Catholic in Haiti. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she came here, the Adventist church helped her find a home, mm. helped her find the job, mm-hmm. you know, helped her find her husband eventually. So mm. it was a community. Mm-hmm. And what I'm enjoying about what's happening with all these black, like I, I do feel like these black, like young black people are getting back into church. They're getting back into spirituality and mm-hmm. it's all making these new communities. And mm-hmm. that is what I'm 100% down for mm-hmm. because they're communities. And something that we don't talk about a lot is that black people 
were only allowed to commune in secret. Mm-hmm. A lot of it had to be mm-hmm. secret, right? Yep. This Underground Railroad or the churches Hush that harbors. we were having. Yes, absolutely, mm-hmm. right? The Black Panthers was a community that was doing good and then yep. was thus criminalized. Right. Uh, the NAACP was weakened in its uh, abilities to do certain stuff, right? right. And, and even in that. But Rachel Dolezal came in that. Exactly. That changed saying. everything. Exactly. And not only that, the NAACP <laughs> in and of itself only allowed a certain kind of black people in it, right? Mm-hmm. Upper middle class or mm-hmm. people who are uh, into respectability politics. Right. So in and of itself, that was complicated to do, which I'm, I'm very excited that we're in a space an area now not that everything is fixed but mm-hmm. that these black people are building these communities again yeah. where they can have a community where they're going to explore voodoo or they're going to explore mm-hmm. some of the more ancestral stuff or they can have yeah. a community like uh, the community that you're building at blue uh bloom and plume yeah uh so i i think that that i'm excited for mm-hmm. will i build a community like that i'm hoping that i'm doing that sort mm-hmm. of in the alt comedy space but i don't know if it'll be religious or not but i don't mm-hmm. know if it has to mm-hmm. as long yeah. as it has those communal benefits like what I just said help my mother out which is getting a job having people that she can relate to and talk to mm-hmm. you know and I, I I'm excited for that that's yeah. what I'm excited for I, and I'm excited that it doesn't have to all fit under the Christian umbrella yeah it's just going to be an umbrella of black communities wow what a beautiful answer oh, I love it. that community that's that's what I'm most interested in yeah because that's what I've missed from Adventism yeah is you know I I was there at that church every day because they, there's pathfinders and there's all this yeah. stuff we'd have basketball tournaments and I and I do feel like I benefited from having mm-hmm. such a strong community and I also mm-hmm. went to Adventist school mm-hmm. all the way up until I finished college mm-hmm. well dropped out so I, I do think <laughs> that there's a strength in community in that so I'm Absolutely. excited for that and people want to feel like they have a place where they belong Absolutely. and that they can again that they can be their authentic selves Absolutely. with other people Absolutely. affirming them. Absolutely. So the, the fact that Love these it. communities can be more specific, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. You can go to a church that supports your queer blackness or yeah. whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you can be in a black Dungeons and Dragons group. Absolutely. That's like, that's, that's like the next level shit that I'm thinking about is like, mm-hmm. you know, cause the barbershop is it always existed, but I want a barbershop for fucking dudes who can watch black people who watch Dragon Ball Z and they're in right. a barbershop and, they're getting their lineup. They're getting all that shit, but they're watching fucking Dragon Ball Z up there. Like right. I, I think that that's like the evolution that we're we're kind of heading towards. I agree. That being said, where can people find you? Uh, I know you plugged your socials, but if you could plug mm-hmm. them one more time, where people can find you? Sure. I think for now, just you can find me on Instagram at Jazzy Please J A Z Z I E P L E A Z E. Um, you can find me there. I do have a website, www.jocelynharris.com, but it's still in the building phase. Mm-hmm. But if you want to see like a super cute picture of me and like a couple words, <laughs> please log on and go <laughs> look at it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you can follow my page and, you know, it'll, it'll be updates and things about what I have, go- all the various things I have going on. Um, so yeah, I think my Instagram is probably like the best place to find me. Jocelyn, it has been fantastic speaking with you. Uh, this was, I know, I, this this uh, superseded my expectations. Uh, come on, supersede. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> it did, it did. I, I I was just like, oh, we're going to talk about these things. But I felt like I was, I mean, I got challenged many times. I was like, damn, she calling me up. But I needed to, and I needed to hear some of those things. And that was very, very interesting and intriguing for me. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. This has been an amazing day. Thank you so much. And to you who is probably listening in their car, in their, uh, in their basement, people can listen to things in their basement. Perhaps you're listening on the roof and dreaming about how you could beat Bruce Lee in a kung fu fight, which is fucking ridiculous. Uh, wherever you're listening, thank you so much for listening to NP Edgar. Make sure to check out at Jaquise Neal on all social media, myself at Awful Graham on Instagram, at Edgar Mobus here on Twitter, tpublic.com slash Culture Kings pod. Maybe just Culture Kings. I'm not sure anymore. You can go ahead and hop on some merch. We have some great, great summer merch. I'm being told that summer is still a thing. I don't believe that myself. But sure, whatever. Summer is still a thing. Hop on some tank tops, light hoodies. Thank you so much for listening.